So often law firms think about, you know, we're the best, and that's what we want to pronounce to the world. But really, competitive branding is all about how are you different? How are you unique? What are the types of clients that really need you? And, you know, part of what marketing communications about is how do you emphasize the areas in the firm that you want to be known for? I'm Chad Main, and this is Technically Legal, a podcast about the intersection of technology and the practice of law, where each week we'll talk to a different mover or shaker in the legal and technology field. We'll learn a little about them, what they've been up to, and hopefully get some real-world tips that will help lawyers better use technology in their legal practices. Welcome to episode number 14. This time we're talking to Barry Solomon. He's the president of Foundation Software Group. He's also the former chief marketing officer for one of the largest law firms in the country, Sidley Austin. We also talked to Daniel Goldstein of Trust and Will, an online app that permits you to create estate planning documents. This is a good episode. Although I think lawyers and law firms are getting better about it, I think marketing is somewhat of a neglected activity in the legal world. When I left my practice and started Percipient, I didn't really know anything about marketing, but by necessity, I started learning pretty quickly, and now I really like learning about it and doing it. Our guest for this episode is Barry Solomon. He's the president of Foundation Software Group, which is an experience management software platform built for law firms. Barry is like many of the people we've talked to in Technically Legal. He practiced law right out of law school, but then moved on to work in a legal tech business. Barry started his career as a transactional lawyer for Sidley Austin, but he left the practice after a few years to join a software startup that created a customer relationship management solution, aka CRM, for law firms. It was at that gig that Barry got into marketing, and after that software company Barry was working for was acquired, he ultimately ended up back at Sidley. This time, not as a lawyer, but as the firm's CMO, Chief Marketing Officer. Why did Barry leave the life of law for marketing and to work at a software company? Because he caught the technology bug. I was passionate about technology. In fact, at Sidley, I was the first lawyer with a computer. I went to the managing partner of the firm because I had to get special approval to, to get a computer. And, you know, he said, well, why would a lawyer use a computer. And I had to explain, you know, I could actually type faster than I could dictate or write. Um, You know, used to always write on these yellow legal pads. We did have computers, but it was centralized word processing. My secretary had a typewriter at this time. So this was back really in the early days of PCs. So I was interested in it. The other thing, I used to stay up late at night physically redlining documents. Sounds crazy today, but you know, when I met somebody that had a beta of a product called CompareWrite, I was like, wait a second, <laughs> you know, this is a lot easier and uh, convinced the firm to bring that in. So I was really fascinated. And then I read this Harvard Business Review article about the application of technology in different industries. Uh, And it struck me that it really wasn't being applied in professions like the legal profession. So I was really interested in doing that. A client of the firm's was interested in starting a company and, you know, three of us went out and did it. Lexus ultimately bought the software company that Barry was working for. And Barry headed back to Sidley to serve as the firm's CMO. Before we hear from Barry about his time as Sidley CMO, I think a lot of what he talks about in this episode can be put into context if we also understand how Barry distinguishes marketing activities from business development activities. We'll hear from Barry in more detail about this later in the episode, but for now, let's give a little preview. Barry describes marketing as one-to-many communications. 
He describes business development as one-on-one communications. Getting the story out to the masses about your law firm's brand, its expertise, and its story, that's marketing. Talking to a prospective client about their needs and how your firm can help meet those needs, that's business development. I was very uh, excited to be able to go back in this new role because, you know, there were many people that I knew back when I was practicing law. Now they were in leadership roles and to be able to work with them in this new capacity was fascinating. It was a great six and a half years. And you could have obviously gone back and practiced, but what made you say, hey, I'm going to go back to Sibley, but not as a lawyer. I'm going to get in a marketing role. Answer that question. Let me go back to what I did right when I, I, I took a year off after, you know, I was done at selling to Lexus and, and, and leaving that. And although I was a lawyer, I'd never been in court before. You know, I was not a litigator like you were, trial lawyer. And so I was thinking if I was going to go back and practice law, I don't think I would go back as a transaction lawyer. I would want to try something different. So I signed up for and paid to go to two weeks to something called NIDA, the National Institute of Trial Advocacy. And I spent two weeks learning. But these were like senior associates that had second chaired, you know, and they all knew what they were doing. And it had been a long time. So that was two weeks of, you know, it was fascinating. It was fun. It was interesting, but scary. Uh, I then hung up a, a shingle for a year, represented just a few people, and then realized, boy, to be a competent trial lawyer or litigator takes years. So what I was good at was business and understanding, you know, being as part of a CRM company, I knew a lot about business development. So it seemed natural to put those pieces together rather than going back and practicing. Were you Sibley's first CMO? Pretty much. I mean, I think they, they dabbled in it, but it was for less than a year, years ago. So they had marketing leadership, but you know, a lot of firms like Sibley are so successful without, you know, historically without the need for a huge investment in, in marketing and business development. I think that's evolved for almost all firms. And so I was kind of the first long-term CMO. What's a day in the life? What kind of stuff were you doing? What were you responsible for? Well, as a CMO, uh, at least my role at Sidley, you were responsible for marketing, marketing communications, market intelligence, and, um, but also business development. You know, I had a, just a terrific team that was able to take on not only the ongoing blocking and tackling, you know, what do you need to do every day? You need to keep a social media presence. The website needs to be kept up to date. You've got to respond to RFPs. You have to help lawyers prepare for client meetings. You, do, you know, there's all of these day-to-day things. But then you've got to think about, you know, what differentiates the firm and how are you going to be able to communicate that to the market? And how are you going to help lawyers be able to build their practices? It, it's, it's fascinating, really, the number of things that need to happen. And there's a lot of opportunity for a professional marketing and business development team to really help a law firm grow practices. Okay, you talked about three things there marketing communications, marketing intelligence, and business development. Obviously, most people know what business development is, but what did you mean when you talked about marketing communications? Well, that's the branding, the messaging. You know, what are we known for? How do we communicate to the market? What's our brand? You know, it's so often law firms think about, you know, we're the best, and that's what we want to pronounce to the world. But really, competitive branding is all about how are you different? How are you unique? 
what are the types of clients that really need you, those services? And you know, part of what marketing communications about is how do you emphasize the areas in the firm that you want to be known for? It can be a challenge at a firm that's like Sidley is so strong in so many different areas. There, it's less about promoting any individual practice and more flipping it around, thinking about the type of client and the types of problems they have and differentiating based upon, you know, you have problems that involve multiple jurisdictions, multiple disciplines, and are very complex. That actually becomes a way of differentiating versus just, hey, we have this particular marquee practice. It's those types of you know, ways of pulling together, okay, what's the essence of our firm? You know, marketing communications then is the myriad uh, channels to get the message out, social media, the website, case studies, thought leadership, um, and it goes on and on. And so the second thing you said you're responsible for at Sidley was marketing intelligence. What are you referring to there? Well, there's tons of internal information in your billing system and external information that you can get from lots of great sources about clients, about industries and trends. And the trick is, is to turn that information into actionable insights that will help lawyers, practice leaders, client you know, heads and so forth, execute on plans. You know, you can do almost an unlimited number of things with your time and resources at a firm. And what market intelligence needs to do is to help leaders at firms make decisions. Where should we be investing our time? If you, you know, just to take mundane examples, you know, there's 10 conferences. Each one is $50,000. We have budget to do half of them. How do we decide? Where do we get the biggest bang for the buck? Well, you can't do that if you don't understand, you know, what are we good at? What do our clients need? What do our competitors do? And where are we really differentiated? Plus, okay, what work is going to be the most profitable for us? And so you mentioned that you could pull some of this intelligence from existing tools and systems that the law firm has. Like, What were some of the sources of this intelligence gathering? Well, it's interesting because I ended up where I am now at Foundation, largely because of working through some of those challenges. Because there's a lot of good information in a firm's time and billing system, but it tends to be focused on getting the bills out, right? There's a lot of good information in a firm's HR system, but it tends to be focused on managing HR issues, staffing issues, and the like. There's a lot of good information in a firm's CRM system, but that tends to be focused on, you know, market communications, emailing lists, you know, people we know, client, you know, information. And there's lots of good information in other systems, docketing, conflicts. The problem is, is that they're siloed. And what I was looking for, because you could try to get information, you know, answers to questions, you know, about diversity and billings. And you would need to go to one system for some information and another system for other information and try to pull them together. Pulling them together, I mean, this idea of firm intelligence is really the, what gave birth to foundation. This goes back four and a half, five years ago. 
Ultimately, the lure of entrepreneurship again took Barry out of the law firm, and earlier this year, he joined Foundation Software. As noted, Foundation Software Group is a company that provides experience management software platforms to law firms. What is experience management? Well, I'm glad you asked. It is used to organize, track, and manage interactions with clients. In a law firm, that means not only collecting information about client interactions, but also case information about the matters lawyers handle for their clients. Why did Barry again leave the law firm and join Foundation? His story is one that we've heard time and time again on Technically Legal. He was working at a law firm and had an issue he wanted to tackle and knew could be solved by tech and wanted to be part of that solution. When I was early in my tenure as CMO at Sidley, I brought my leadership team together to do strategic planning for the practice, right, so that we could support the firm's overall strategy. And we prioritized, we brainstormed tons of things where we could make improvements, but prioritized a handful of things that would really move the needle. And one of those things you might call experience management. Which is? Experience management is really, if I wear my hat as CMO and look at it narrowly, it is managing the information about matters and descriptions of matters and lawyers and lawyer bios and other content and bringing that together for marketing and business development purposes. You know, I want to update our website with what our experience is. I want to respond to an RFP. I want to create a, uh, a submission to Chambers or some other ranking or rating. So that was experience management. I called my colleagues at other firms and there was no good experience management solution out there. There were some, but no one was very happy with them. There was maybe one or two that had custom solutions that they were happy with, but no third party solution. Um, I did find something that seemed to be new and cutting edge and I brought it in and to be honest, it didn't work out so well. So after about a year of trying to make that work, I was back to the drawing board and at that time, I went back to the folks that were some of the leaders way back in the day with Interaction. And they had created some terrific software for legal project management. And I suggested, why don't you look at this problem? <laughs> because I think every firm has it. And they did look at the problem. And there was a couple of other firms, Scadden, I know, was one of them. And Sidley was one. We were one of the first three customers. So that goes back over four years ago, four or five years ago. And it was much more successful. I and mean, it was successful, whereas the first attempt wasn't. What happened was the founder of that company, Nate Feinberg, he co-founded it with uh, Brett Balmer. He called it foundation instead of something else because he saw that this was really more than just a marketing problem. Managing you know, all of your experience could help in so many different areas. And so when he asked me late last year, or we had a conversation about me leaving Sidley, it just, I did it once before. I believe that, you know, there is going to be transformation in law firms. Today, law firms look at this problem as a point solution, you know, a small problem but it's a big problem. It's, it, it's a platform. It's kind of analogous to, you know, back in the day when CRM was just starting out, people looked at it as, well, we just need a little thing for this, right? You know, we just need to keep our contacts for this purpose. Turns out you need it as a platform for many different things, and it, it's kind of similar. And so describe what the software is. Foundation is, is a platform. It manages information about 
the matters that you've worked on and helps you profile those together with who you did the work for, who did the work and other third parties involved. It makes it easy to find representative matters quickly for many different purposes, whether that be for staffing purposes, knowledge management, business development, pricing, and so forth. We got our start because many marketing and business development departments have this problem within law firms. But that's really just, it's kind of like, you know, Amazon didn't call itself books back in the day, even though that's where it got its start. You know, this was, uh, this is a platform. So if a law firm uses the software, is everybody in the law firm using it? Or is it just marketing? Is it just HR? Like, who are the main users at a firm? Everyone in the law firm ends up using it, but typically you start with one or two use cases and then it just grows over time. You know, we have now 26 very large law firm customers and very happy. And you know, I would say, if you go back to those that have had it four or more years, what I'm seeing is, is you know, people are enthusiastic and then they get even more enthusiastic over time because what happens is, is that you realize there's more and more problems that it can solve. And so it is designed to be used not only by you know, marketing staff, but by pricing, strategic planning, accounting, but also by lawyers. Let's take five away from our talk with Barry, because now it's time in the podcast for our Legal Tech Founder segment. This week, we're talking to Daniel Goldstein of Trust and Will. That's an online app that permits you to create estate planning documents. Daniel, thanks for being here today. Tell us a little bit about Trust and Will. Yeah, Chad, first up, thanks for having me. So Trust and Will, we're modernizing estate planning. So a super sexy industry. Think about wills and trusts completely online, completely digital from end to end. And what inspired you to create the app? Personal situations that both myself and my co-founders went through in our own families, it made us realize, why is this industry so broken? So what ended up happening was last summer, is the summer of 2017, I was involved in just asset management and multi-generational asset management. And we started asking the question, what's going to happen when every asset becomes a digital asset? And so I started talking to estate planning attorneys and I started talking to wealth managers, started talking to everybody who's in the space. And I realized that it's incredibly antiquated, both from a technology perspective and then also from an expectations perspective. So as of right now, a modern digital consumer expects to be able to go online, have amazing customer support, have an amazing interaction with the technology layer that separates them from what they're trying to do. And we realized that didn't exist in estate planning. And so last summer around August, we started investigating it, started talking with my now co-founders. Uh, so I brought in a guy named Cody Barbo and a guy named Brian Lamb there. Cody has an amazing background as an entrepreneur and Brian has an amazing background building software. And we got together and we said, I think we can do this better. I think we can we can create better software, we can create a better customer experience, and we can help the millions of Americans who haven't even gone through this process yet. You know, 55% of all Americans don't have any sort of plan in place. And if we look at like generationally, we have, you know, boomers who like, you know, have more than half of the boomers have gotten it done. But then as we get down to millennials who are all going through these life events, they haven't done any form of estate planning. Only 20% of millennials have any form of will or trust. So that's what inspired us. We said we need to be helping people who are going through their life events just like we are and who expect a modern experience. And so that's why we started Trust and Will. And I think I read your background is not in legal, but in tech maybe? 
It, correct. Yeah. I've been in custom software for the last six years. And so I've been helping clients, both fortune level clients and then funded startups on how to get their software to market. And so coming from that type of background, how'd you end up launching a legal tech company? In my history in custom software, I worked with a variety of clients across finance and legal and consumer tech and hospitality. And there's always the same themes in every software that the user wants to do something easy and online and seamless, right? Like that's like whatever a user expects to do in Facebook or a modern consumer app, they expect from every other form of technology. So as we look at estate planning, we apply the same principles. And our co-founder, Brian, who's our head of product, he's been in the agency world for 10 years, worked with hundreds of clients. And I'd worked with him on probably about 100 clients as well. And we looked at how the current versions of estate planning are. And we we're like, we know we can do it better. So yeah, we're not attorneys, but we have estate planning attorneys on staff. We have an, a legal board of advisors. We have some of the smartest minds in estate planning that have helped us build our software. And then also that's what creates all of the documents. So tell me, who is Trust and Will best suited for? Who's your target consumer? Our target customer is a first-time customer of estate planning, right? So you've they've gone through a, a significant or inciting life event. Either they've had a kid who needs legal guardians now, which a will is the only way to do that, or a will is the quickest way to do it right now, or they've acquired an asset or a set of assets, either through inheritance, purchasing of a home, or having a liquidity event for their business, where all of a sudden they have capital and they need to protect it. And they need to protect it from the court system, probate court, and other systems in place as well. And so those two events are our target. So we built this software so that young families who are buying their homes for the first time can like seamlessly get set up with, a, with an estate plan. And then as their life gets more complicated, our business will continue to grow with them. All right. Great, Daniel. Appreciate your time. Where can people uh, learn more about the app? Yeah, you can go to our website, www.trustandwill.com. It takes about 10 minutes to go from start to finish of a complete, legally valid, state-specific will. And then we also have the supporting healthcare documents along with it. And then this fall, uh, we're going to be launching a couple new products for the more complex estates as well. Okay, let's get back to our talk with Barry Solomon about marketing in the legal industry. Like many activities, marketing is one that really lends itself to technology. To measure the effectiveness of your marketing efforts, you got to look at data. So I asked Barry how he uses tech in his marketing efforts. If you look at the basics, you know, of differentiation, which is on the marketing side, branding, you know, how you need information. You need to know what are your clients need, what do we offer, and what does our competitors do? And technology can help you figure that out and store the information and start to see patterns. On the business development side, it used to be back in the day, the key was relationships. Relationships are still really important. That's why CRM continues to be important. But buyers of legal services now are so sophisticated, they understand that they want to buy the legal services from the exact right lawyers. And so what's really important is understanding, okay, what do we do and who does it on a pretty granular basis? And to be able to use technology when you're a large law firm to quickly identify whether that be who should be pitching, you know, to win business, what matters do we put forward as examples of what we do, but in the delivery, in the practice, 
you know, I need to help my client solve a problem. I don't want to reinvent the wheel. You know, it used to be find me that document. Now, very often, it's find me the lawyer. Find me someone who's thought about this problem. And, and so technology, and now I'm talking a bit about foundation, can help. So there's kind of an, you know, CRM has its place, but that's really, I think, evolved to a need to go beyond CRM to firm intelligence. You know, what, what have we done? Who have we done it for? And, and so forth. Because using tech to capture information about marketing efforts is crucial. I asked Barry what types of metrics he thinks law firms should capture to bolster their marketing activities. You really need to look at, you know, it really is a cliche now. If, it's, if you can't measure it, it's not marketing, stop doing it, people say, right? And, and I agree with that, which is, you know, almost, you know, whether it is our website, where do we invest our time? We would use those statistics to decide where we, you know, focused resources. And then you motivate lawyers to take action based upon, you know, what's really happening. When you're making budget decisions, where do you put your resources, time, money? You want to measure results. And, you know, I do believe it's not just, you've asked me about kind of the CMO-CIO relationship, which is critically important, but the CMO-CFO relationship is critically important because the CFO has the numbers, right, in terms of firm profitability, revenue growth, you know, realization and that. And there's the need to use that data to help drive decisions. And what types of metrics does Foundation help you track? Well, Foundation, as I say, is a platform. So it tracks information about your clients. So it actually will not only subscribe to information from other systems, it transforms it. Uh, not to get too technical, but you know, very often you have different taxonomies in different systems, and it makes it possible to translate that so that on an ongoing basis you can have good data, normalized data, and then you're able to track and calculate. You know, there's calculated fields in foundation where you can not only say, here's, here's the financial information, but I'm going to put them in buckets like, you know, growing, stable, at risk, right? Because that becomes more actionable. So it's not just the numbers, but okay, how do we want to translate those numbers. Other things like, is there white space? How many practices across this set of clients, right? It sounds like a simple thing, but being able to identify opportunities where we're underserving a client. And so you combine, you know, financial information with, you know, staffing. You know, we also, because we're bringing in data from HR, looking at diversity statistics and matching that up. You know, so there's a, a lot of different things that you can uh, measure within foundation. In fact, we have one of our customers, a law firm that works with a third party doing predictive analytics, you know, to say not only let me look at metrics to see how I'm doing, let me use those metrics to predict where we should be focusing in the future. It's interesting stuff. And you need tech for all this to really capture this information that you, you have to have tech. Yeah, technology is critical. Exactly. As I talked about at the beginning of the podcast, I think that marketing is not always front of mind for lawyers because they're mostly focused on doing good legal work for their clients, as they should be. I am also not sure many lawyers really know what marketing is. I know I certainly didn't. Along those lines, I asked Barry what he thought the biggest misunderstanding that lawyers had about marketing. 
Some don't understand that you need to take a balanced approach around the business development life cycle. You know, people talk about marketing and business development. Now, there's a lot of steps in marketing. You know, how do I identify my market? How do I communicate broadly that we're here? How do I credential myself, my practice, my firm? How do I, you know, communicate my brand? All of that's marketing. A lot of lawyers will pick one or two things that and think, okay, I'm done. So for example, they'll overemphasize writing or, you know, going to conferences and speaking. Or the big one is, you know, ratings and rankings. And they'll invest so much in that, not realizing, you know, the old adage, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. So they keep investing their time and money and, and effort into a marketing effort like credentialing and ignore some of the business development activities like getting in front of clients and asking them open-ended questions and learning about their needs. You know, it's that understanding that it is a, a whole business development cycle that involves a lot of different steps. As I previewed earlier, Barry has a cool way of thinking about the distinction between marketing efforts and business development efforts. In some ways, marketing is, is uh, one to many. It's, you know, hey, I want to get the message out to a lot so that they're aware. Business development is more one to one. You know, there's a particular opportunity. And the mistakes some lawyers make, and again, this goes back to maybe a misunderstanding of marketing and business development, is they'll approach that one to one opportunity as if it's my opportunity to give them a brochure right? It's my opportunity to market. But no, if marketing has been successful, I get the meeting. Once you get the meeting, you throw out all of that marketing stuff. You forget about the credentials. You know, clients really don't care that much about that. It may help you get some recognition. But when you get in the door, then it's about asking good questions, listening, understanding problems, and then problem solving. And, you know, in a nutshell, those activities, really deeply understanding and empathizing with the client makes a difference. One of the things in each episode that I try to do is ask my guests for practical advice that listeners can maybe put to work at their law practice, legal department, or their companies. So I close my talk with Barry by asking him what law firms could do if they're not quite ready to hire a CMO or put a marketing person on the payroll. I think the... Two most important things, the most impactful things a firm could do with or without a CMO is to, number one, put a program in place to really listen to their clients. And number two is teach their partners in particular, or senior associates, but mostly partners, how to develop business. And you do the first, you know, if, if I am wanting to learn about clients, it's not good enough to just say, yeah, well, the partner that has the relationship is always asking. That's necessary, but not sufficient. You really need either firm management or someone like a CMO or a third party to go out to clients, a representative sample, and ask a lot of questions. Clients like this, I mean, it's kind of basic, but uh, not every law firm does this yet. Many, many do. But that's the one thing is put in a program because that data, that information, that insight is going to motivate action. 
And maybe it means you need a CMO. It may not lead to that. The other, and lawyers who haven't done this push back, but it's doing role play around these conversations with prospective clients and really having lawyers experience and work together to learn how to have these meetings with clients where I'm not just going and talking, but I'm really going to learn and listen and then be able to earn the right to show how we can solve a problem. So I would say I would start with those two things and with the first one, the data might lead you to bring in a CMO. With the second one, you may realize you need a CMO in order to put together a successful program. But those programs, the ROI on them are incredible. Excellent. Where can people find out more about Foundation and how can they get a hold of you? FoundationSG.com and Barry at FoundationSG.com. SG is software group because the name of the company is Foundation Software Group. So that's it for this installment of Technically Legal. We hope you liked it. If you want to subscribe, you can check us out on pretty much any major podcasting platform such as iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, et cetera, et cetera. If you want to get a hold of me, you can shoot me an email at cmain at percipient.co. That's C-M-A-I-N at percipient.co. Thanks again for listening. We hope you tune in next time. This has been another episode of Technically Legal.